Welcome back to Discover More. I am your host, Benoit Kim. Have you ever wondered if hypnosis is real? Why does it work? How does it work? What is it like to hypnotize Tony Robbins and some of the biggest celebrities in the world? People often talk about the importance of mindset and how our mindset often shapes our reality, whether that's internal to the external or the external to the internal. But what does that really mean? I am so excited to introduce you to this week's guest, Zach Pinsons. He is the foremost expert on all things mindset development and creating systems to truly optimize your life, whatever that means for you. Zach Pinsons is the number one most viral celebrity hypnotist, YouTube influencer, and impact entertainer. Zach has over 4.7 million TikTok followers and over 255 million engagements across social media platform. From hypnotizing people to believe he's Justin Bieber, performing jaw-dropping magic shows for celebrities, to tackling some of the most important philosophical questions in life, from the outside, it seems like Zach could do it all. Zach truly is a master of life optimization, mentalism, and the art of subtle suggestion. Expect to learn about the art of hypnosis and mentalism how to build systems that optimizes your life. A surprise hypnosis performance at the very end of the interview, so make sure to stay tuned, and much, much more. This episode is comprised of so many golden nuggets and endless inspiration. I'm so excited to end the first month of the year with this powerful episode, and I have no doubt that you're going to discover more something to improve your life immediately upon after this episode. So without further ado, please join us in this week's Train of Discover More. Discover More podcast is for introspective thinkers with growth mindsets seeking authentic life stories. As a therapist, Benoit Kim highlights the magical relationship between healing and the optimal human experience of what we call life. Here's to mental health being a top priority today and every single day. Let's get this started. Zach, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for such a great introduction. That made me sound way cooler than I actually am. But at the end of the day, I'm just a person like everybody. So, but thank you for having me. So, Zach, on your YouTube banner currently, it says you experience what you believe. To me, it sounds like it's related to the essence of why hypnotism works and its mechanism. But what does it mean to you personally, Zach? Yeah, a lot of people will ask me, what is hypnosis? How do you define hypnosis? And hypnosis is one of those things that is still being unfolded as we are learning more and more about it. There's still a lot we don't know about it. So if you ask 100 different hypnotists, what is hypnosis? They'll probably give you 100 different answers because we're still sort of trying to figure out exactly what it is. It's a tough thing to quantify scientifically um, because, you know, in the scientific method, you have to have something through a repeatable outcome, repeatable study where you can know you get the same results every time. Uh, hypnosis doesn't always give the same results every time because a lot of times it's about the person and the adaptability of the situation. So to go to the question of experiencing what you believe, that's how I define hypnosis. I define hypnosis as a process by which we just experience what we believe. Now, for people that aren't familiar with hypnosis, it's very sim similar to something else. They might be familiar with the placebo effect. If you have ever you know, taken a sugar pill and gotten better from it or taken a saline solution and gotten better from it, right? Or if 
someone told you this movie is going to be really good and you enjoyed it more than you thought it would simply because of the suggestion or the idea, right? That's the placebo effect. It's our ability to experience something physiologically based on a psychological idea. And hypnosis just takes that to an even bigger extreme where you can get people into a trance-like state where through the ideas and beliefs, suggestions that are delivered by the hypnotist, they are experienced as if they are real. Now, we all experience this same state every night when we dream. We go into a state where we know what's happening in our dream is not real. And yet while we're dreaming, it feels very, very real. If we have a nightmare or a scary dream, we can wake up terrified or wake up in a cold sweat. Even though nothing actually happened, it was all in our mind, but it felt so real in our mind that we experienced it for real in our body. So as a hypnotist, I put people into that state where whether it's for fun in an entertaining, silly stage show or TikTok video, or whether it's for something more serious, like helping people to become more confident, overcome their anxiety, whatever it may be, I like to define hypnosis in that simplified term and quote that's on my YouTube banner that you experience what you believe. Yeah, that's amazing. And as you said, in terms of the mechanism that contributes to why hypnotism works, of course, it puts you under this easily or heightened suggestible state and through the brain neuroplasticity and receptivity to sort of lean into that to either quit smoking habits or believing that you're Justin Bieber, even though you're not, and everything in between. So you as the expert and the master of mentalism and subtle suggestion, as I said in the introductions, is there any other practical takeaways or applications that people can take away uh, in like a more concrete manner that just not a cool party trick since, of course, it takes years and years of certifications and training. You're formally uh, professionally certified and all that. The practical takeaway that I would give people in this analogy or example is that you experience what you believe all the time through your own thoughts and your own ideas, right? You become what you tell yourself you are. So as you think about just how you're living your life and how you're experiencing this life, what is the what are the voices that are going through your head? Are you constantly telling yourself, oh, well, I'm no good. Oh, well, I can never succeed. Oh, I'm just a failure. If you're constantly telling yourself those ideas, those thoughts, and you actually believe them, they end up becoming predictions that come true. You're predicting your own life through the beliefs or the thoughts that you hold in your mind. So a good practical takeaway is for people that sort of want to experience this idea of experiencing what you believe. You don't have to learn hypnosis or find a hypnotist to do it. But simply just by becoming aware of how your own thoughts are already hypnotizing you, either for better or for worse, I like to say that you can either let your thoughts hypnotize you or you can be the one to hypnotize your thoughts by having that intentionality and understanding that just because you believe something doesn't make it true, but when you believe it, it feels like it's true. So you have to be very careful about what you believe. That's great. So as you said, Zach, that we are, of course, larger than the sum of our parts. Right? We're not just a brain. We're not just a body with a mind or mind with a body. At the same time, what we think about and the content of our thoughts and feelings do contribute significantly to our identity forming, which is what you talked about. If you tell yourself every day, I'm a failure, you're going to become a failure. Conversely, if you believe your capacity and you're capable of more than just what you're currently thinking in terms of this future version of who you could be, I think that's where the magic lies. So what is the genesis or the power of why behind this fascinating journey you've embarked on to now you becoming the celebrity hypnotist, performing all these things while also creating impact in the meantime. Right before the start of my last semester in college, 
I was at a leadership camp with 50, 60 other students from, from my school. And I would tell people as I was getting to know them over that, that retreat, oh, I do magic. I do hypnosis. I've been doing this and that. And of course, people would be like, what? You do magic and hypnosis? That's so cool. Can you show me? Can we see some? So I would do some card tricks for people over the course of the retreat. But people kept asking, can you hypnotize me? Can you do some hypnosis? I want to see you do hypnosis because that's awesome. And so enough people asked about it that I said, all right, I'm going to do a show at the end of the night. If anyone wants to come see the show, like I'm going to do a hypnosis show. And a lot of you have been asking about it. So we'll just see how this goes. We'll have some fun with it. And the entire retreat shows up for it. So we have all, all 60 students are like, yeah, hypnosis show. This will be so fun. Now, I had never done a show before. The most people I'd ever hypnotized at the same time was two. And I have 60 people that are like, all right, full show. Let's see how this goes. Now, I had been learning. I'd been doing my research. I've been continuing to watch more DVDs and read more books and really learn. So I've been sort of thinking through, if I ever did a show, this is what I might do. So this was a perfect opportunity to put that to the test. And I said, all right, I'm going to do a show. And the show went amazing. It was a full 80-minute show. I had eight people in a deep state of hypnosis, and they all did a lot of really fun, hilarious things, and it was really, really great. And afterwards, the validation and feedback that I had gotten from the people who were watching or part of the show was amazing. People were telling me that was so good. That was such a fun show. And so for me, getting that sort of feedback was really instrumental after my first show, realizing, wow, if I could do that after a couple months of just learning on my own, and really putting myself out there, how far could I go with this if I actually decided to take it seriously and make it my job? So I was going into my final semester as a communications major, as a liberal arts uh, student. And so I didn't have any specific job lined up or trajectory after college. And so I thought, you know what? I am going to become a stage hypnotist after I graduate. And of course, my parents were thrilled with my life choices at that point <laughs> in my career. And they were supportive, but I don't think they expected it to actually go anywhere like most would. They said, okay, that's sure. That's great. Have fun doing that. And good luck. And so I started working with a, a mentor who was actually the hypnotist who I saw for the first time as a freshman in college, which is a really cool full circle moment of the first person who ever exposed me to hypnosis ended up becoming my mentor and the person who really helped me make a career out of this, which was really, really great. And I was sort of stuck in this weird dichotomy of, well, now what? How do I actually get paid to do this? How do I make this a career and make it my living? You know, I need experience to get hired, but the only way to get experience is getting hired. So how do I sort of navigate that weird catch-22? So I started up my YouTube channel a month after I graduated in June of 2018. I just started doing street hypnosis where I would, again, go up to just strangers in the park and the beach and downtown and just ask them if I could hypnotize them. And most of them said no. But the few that said yes, I would do it and I would film it and started making content and videos from it. And then after months of doing that, I had one video that blew up and did really well on YouTube. It got 2 million views in two months, which was crazy for me at the time. I'd never had any sort of traction or exposure or never gone viral in that way before. And then later that year, uh, end of 2019, I got on TikTok right as it was starting to blow up and become really big and ended up hitting a million followers within the first two months of getting on that app and was at 4 million within the first year. And it was a really crazy ride and journey. Um, and now here I am doing this full-time, been doing it full-time for over five years, do shows all around the country. And now social media has sort of accidentally become a really big part of what I do now. And I've had the opportunity to hypnotize a lot of cool influencers and celebrities and actually make a living out of this to the surprise of 
everybody who I told that I was going to become a hypnotist going into my last semester. But it goes to show that, you know, I wasn't destined to be this at a young age. It wasn't a dream that I always had from five years old. I never had any talent or inclination towards doing this necessarily. It was just an idea and it was just an intention. And yet I was so committed to that intention and that idea. And I never gave up and I was willing to fail and I was willing to learn that through that commitment, I am where I am today. So I want to add a quick note to that where there's an idea of biology of belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. It's a level deeper than just placebo or sugar pill effect where literally through believing about a certain outcome like allergens or allergies, you can actually eradicate and eliminate the allergies that could be life-threatening like peanut allergies, cat allergies, and a lot of evidence has been established in terms of biology of belief. By literally believing about something, you impact and you changes your biological outcome. It's phenomenal. And most people don't realize what an allergy is, right? When you ask someone, oh, what's, if you have a peanut allergy, what is it? And they're like, well, I just sneeze or I get a rash or I have this, I have this reaction. But if you ask people like, well, well, why do you have that reaction? Like, where does it come from? An allergy is simply just your body, your physiology, believing that that harmless thing is harmful. If you are allergic to peanuts and you are around peanuts or you eat them, your body is convinced that, oh no, this is a very dangerous virus or this is very bad, even though it's not. And it starts reacting in this really bad way, which causes this allergic reaction. But it literally just is this belief system that has become internalized in your physiology that this certain thing, whether it's peanuts or dogs or cats or whatever it may be, is harmful. But it can work both ways, as you were saying. That, that book, Biology Belief, is great. It's definitely one I would recommend people you know, listening to or reading. But it does work both ways, where you can use that belief to create that allergy, or you can use that belief to get rid of that allergy. And it's really, really fun to sort of get into that side of how the mind works. Exactly. And which brings out to the opposite effect of placebo effect, which is nocebo effect. When you attach the negative expectations, and it's not the sugar pill, it becomes a hell pill, and you actually derive the opposite. So another concrete example is to really drive your message home. I want to go into and highlight the two things I noticed from your storytelling, Zach, is intention setting. For how young you were, I'm not sure if you understood the magic behind setting intentions. According to the latest research, uh, I think by simply setting intentions, like neurologically, for example, my intention this week is to complete four projects or finish my assignments by 7 p.m. on a Thursday. Simply setting that intentions without necessarily doing anything about it increases the likelihood of you completing that intention by 60%. But why are you so intentional? And what are some of the magical outcome or magic you've experienced on the other side? once you lived your life in such an intentional way. I think that intentionality has sort of come from the deeper philosophical realization that, that, you know, we only have one life and that we are authors of our own meaning on this short-lived existence, this little roller coaster ride of humanity that we're all on, right? And so I think I've always sort of had this awareness that life is too short to do the things that I don't want to do. When I first saw that show, I thought this was really cool and really amazing. And yet I never thought that I could learn it. And then a few years later, when I was learning other things that were similar, you know, magic, comedy, I sort of just had this switch that flipped in my mind of, wait, if I could learn these other things, I could learn this thing that I've thought was really cool for a long time. And yet I never looked at it initially as something that I could learn or do. But now that I've learned these other things that are similar, why not learn it? And why not do it? And so I sort of just sent this intention of, I want to learn this. Now, I never set an intention of, 
I want to be the most viral hypnotist on the planet. And I want to live in LA and have hypnotized celebrities doing this. I just wanted to make money doing something that I thought was fun instead of make money working for someone else and doing a job that I hated, right? But through just being willing to commit to that journey and that process, it led me down a path that I never thought I would be on. And yet I'm so grateful to be on. But it simply stemmed from that just initial desire to, you know, not want to be doing what everyone else says I should be doing or not just doing what's important for the money or for this or that. But living life in a way that really makes me passionate and excited about living each and every day, because this is the only life that we have to give or have to live. And so it's important to be able to make the most of that. And so it was through sort of that commitment to live my life intentionally in that way that sort of funneled into those specific things that I've wanted to learn like hypnosis and has led me to a career that has been way cooler than I ever thought, but just simply through this idea of wanting to make the most out of my life. Yeah, I know you used to be uh, identified as a Christian no longer, but unless your last name is Christ, first name is Jesus, you only get one life and one chance at this avenue of life. And I love what you said in terms of when you say yes, intentionally and mindfully, life is a total mindfuck. You have no idea what streams of life you're going to swim down towards. But I think that's when the magic happens is when you move through discomfort, that fear, and when you choose curiosity and intention, which is in your case. So I have a question because you talked about you didn't want to do the things that other people said you should. You didn't want to adhere and confine your life to the societal norm or these noises according to the societal standards. Your previous banner on YouTube, Zach, is said, success in the wrong areas is the ultimate failure. I love that so, so much because I think so many people forget that you can build and climb up the wrong building. Doesn't matter how tall that building becomes through a lot of sweat, blood, and tears. So can you elaborate that further about why is that of building the wrong type of success is the ultimate failure. Yeah, I think it just comes down to how you define success, right? People say, oh, they want success and they want achievement and they want fame. But, but what, what is that really? Like, what is success to you? Most people will live success to all of these external things, right? They will make this really big salary and they'll live in this really nice house and they'll drive this really cool car and yet they're so miserable because they're not happy because they've been striving towards somebody else's definition of success of, oh success means this and success means you're better than those around you and success is money and success is success and success is status but that's not what it means to be successful when you think of how you define success Think about it in terms of if you were on your deathbed and you knew you had five minutes left in your existence, what would you think back on and be grateful for or be happy for? No one is going to sit back on their deathbed and be like, oh, I'm so glad I slaved away decades of my life so that I could just retire and have a few extra years of fun when I was too old to do the things that I wanted to do when I was younger anyway, right? People are going to look back and they're going to say, I'm glad that I followed my dream. I'm glad that I prioritize relationships. I'm glad that I lived my life intentionally instead of letting somebody else set that intention for me. And there was this really cool study that was done where people were asked on their deathbed the same question of like, what do you regret the most or what are your biggest regrets? And that was the number one regret that people had on their deathbed was I wish I had stayed true to myself instead of letting everyone else tell me how to live. And I never want to live my life in a way where I look back and I have regrets, right? There will be times where we make mistakes and we learn lessons and we move forward from that. And so I don't look back on any of any parts of my life and regret them because I know I've learned from them. 
And yet I don't want to live in this way where I am knowing that I'm not living intentionally to who that I want, who I want to be, where at the end of my life, I'll say, oh, I wish I had done this differently. And so I look at that quote that I had on my YouTube banner and I have on other places in social where success in the wrong areas is the ultimate failure because so many people are living up to somebody else's definition of success. They're letting the world, they're letting advertisement, they're letting social media, they're letting their parents, their friends, they're letting everything other than the voice they should be listening to within themselves tell them who they should be and how they should be and what a good successful life looks like. And it's been really neat to have this opportunity where I've done a lot of things in the celebrity world and with celebrities and I live out in LA. And so I've had the really cool chance to meet a lot of people who have had all of this external success. And yet the sad thing, if you kind of pull back that curtain, is that most of them are not happy. Most of the most successful people you know, the movie stars, the musicians, they are not happy with their life because they are on set in another country for months and months. They're away from their family. They don't get to do what they what they love, right? They have this this money and they have this status and everyone knows their name and yet they aren't fulfilled because that's not what success really is. You know, Jim Carrey once said, I wish everybody could have the opportunity to get everything they've ever wanted because they would realize that's not the answer. That's not what fulfills you. That's not success. Yeah, I just always come back to that idea of success in the wrong areas is the ultimate failure because like you said, it doesn't matter how high you climb, you're climbing the wrong ladder, you can't win, right? If you're trying to run a race, if you are running in the wrong direction, it doesn't matter how fast you are running, you are still not going in the right direction. So success in the wrong areas is the ultimate failure. You know, I, there's another variation of that quote that says, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at the things that don't matter, right? So that's one thing I would encourage the people listening to this episode right now is, you know, you may be afraid of failure, you may be afraid of making mistakes, but in all of those failures and mistakes come lessons, they come opportunities, they come chances for growth. And when you think about how much you could really fail, you know, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is not you failing. The worst that can happen is you never giving your chance to succeed in the things that truly matter. Yeah, or even trying, right? I'm a big quote person, so I appreciate your quotes because I think quotes stick with a lot of people. And I want to highlight something that you said in terms of like the opportunity cost, right? I used to believe in this idea of optimal decisions and suboptimal decisions, but I realized whether it's optimal decisions in however you define that word and suboptimal in however you define that decision, there's always this innate opportunity cost. By sitting here across from each other now, virtually, we're sacrificing two hours being outside in this beautiful, glorious Los Angeles SoCal weather or getting exercise, or sleeping in, or connecting with a different person. So I don't really believe in optimal or suboptimal decisions. I believe in the decision that minimizes regrets. And for me, it was catalyzed by my first major depression through my military deployments that allowed me to withdraw and not complete my graduate studies at University of Pennsylvania, which is the number one program in the world for education policy at the time. And I chose to swallow the sunk cost of tens and thousands of dollars because I was a semester away from graduating and getting that MS from Penn on my resume. And I decided I'd rather start something new and reallocate that time by allowing me to finish the new venture versus going back for the sake of by being intentional. And I've had numerous other near-death experiences as a veteran and just having a pretty wild lifestyle until I quit drinking two years ago 
that really allows me to sort of hit this pause and reflect and do something about that. That's why I'm really curious in your decision to do so. And I want to put what you just said on a giant messaging board for everyone to see it because it is possible to do everything you want to do if you're being intentional about it. Like the donkey fable, right? A donkey was thirsty and hungry and there was a pond to its left and carrot to the right, but the donkey ended up dying of thirst and hunger because it couldn't decide what to do. What it could have done is go drink some water and then go eat the carrot. So the obviously the fable is don't be an ass uh, in terms of what, what to me a donkey, but let's go down to the route a little bit further in terms of some of the celebrities and really cool people you performed. I don't really get starstruck. It's just my personality is nothing I cultivate or anything, but I am a huge self-help junkie. I've read every self-help book since I was 13. I'm 30 now. And I know you're also a master of life optimizations and personal development. And you know, the biggest name in the personal help realm is Tony Robbins. And I know that you also had an opportunity to really perform a show for him. So I bring him up because I think Tony Robbins, his name is quite relevant to the realm of what we're talking about, living the life you want to live out versus what other people say you should. Uh, what was Tony Robbins like? And uh, just for you to share that experience and anything you took away from, I think, I don't know if it's a once a lifetime opportunity because you are getting bigger and bigger. And that's the cool thing about compounding, right? The more you grow and as long as you stay the course, the bigger it grows. But I'd love for you to hear and share whatever you want to share. Yeah, that was a very cool opportunity for me to be able to do a show for Tony Robbins. I had been following him for a few years prior. I had read his books, of course, and Awaken the Giant Within, Unlimited Power. Very, very good books I would definitely recommend. And I'm sure people who are listening to this have maybe already even read them because they're that good. And I had gone to a few of his events. I did a couple of his Unleash the Power Within events. I did the Date with Destiny event, which is kind of his flagship once a year event he does at the end of the year. I had gone to several events and I had really sort of immersed myself in a lot of Tony's teachings and philosophies. And, you know, I sort of paired that with a lot of the other things I was learning in psychology and hypnosis and my own sort of philosophical musings and, and ideas. And I had the opportunity a little over a year ago to get to perform at one of his Platinum Partner events. So it's a few hundred people who pay Tony a lot of money every year to be a part of this group. Uh, but anyway, it was part of uh, that event where he did one of his events for his Platinum Partners uh, last October, where it was a relationship-themed event. And so they were looking for you know, a performer to sort of add a little bit of, of fun to the end of one of the nights. And initially they were looking, oh, there are they comedians who can make some jokes or kind of, you know, do some comedy around um, relationships. And then the idea kind of came up with the people who were figuring that event out that, you know, oh, what if we do a hypnotist? We had never done a hypnotist before. And I had a, a connection with somebody on, on Tony's team. And so they brought my name up and they said, hey, you know, we know this guy who does hypnosis and maybe he would be a great fit for this event. And so it was very last minute. It was like two weeks before their event. And they were like, hey, would you be interested in coming out to do a show at this event? And so I thought, oh, of course I would. That would be that would be <laughs> awesome. You know, I've been, been a fan yeah. of Tony's for a while and love his work and the impact he has on others. And so I was able to come out and do this, do a show for his event. And I kind of adapted my show to the theme of his event where I had people hypnotized to do some fun things that were themed to relationships, like giving really bad relationship advice or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I had people hypnotized on the stage to think that they were Tony Robbins. And so they were impersonating Tony in front of Tony, <laughs> which was really hilarious and very fun. 
But that was a very, very fun opportunity. I only got to interact with Tony briefly at the end because people that know Tony know he's a very private person and, you know, got this massive security that always is getting him where he needs to be and, and this and that. And so so I just met him very briefly after the show. But uh, his hands are as big as you expect them to be, right? <laughs> if, if you've ever seen him uh, in person or, or in footage. But uh, no, Tony, Tony's really great. And it was a really fun opportunity to get to do that show. And, you know, I sort of had a, a cool moment in the middle of that show where I got to sort of share some of the, the insights that I've learned through the psychology and the hypnosis and sharing the people for the people in the audience how sort of that mindset can improve their life. And I just had this cool moment on stage where I was just realizing like I am giving a motivational speech on Tony Robbins stage in front of Tony Robbins like what is my life what is going on right now like this is really really awesome so that was that was definitely a fun recent highlight and that was a really cool opportunity and do you remember any of the horrible and bad relationship advice that you heard from that uh, performance because uh, as a therapist one of my favorite areas relationships because I think uh, nothing reveals more about oneself than the container of relationship so just curious and for fun, anything you recall that was really, really bad? One that comes to mind is the way somebody phrased this was just very funny, where they just were kind of just very serious. They were like, all right, this is the only advice you need to know. Your ego is your amigo. Like the <laughs> ego is your best friend. Don't, you know, don't love, don't care, focus all on yourself, be selfish. Like, but it was just the way that it was phrased was just a very memorable, like the ego is your amigo. Like, no, not actually, but the framework of them thinking they were supposed to give bad advice. It was pretty funny. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was curious what will come out. But yeah, definitely uh, ego is not your amigo, of course, for those who are listening. So I want to take a soft pivot in terms of looking at the more high level and the overarching approach you take in life, according to my background research. And according to the information you shared, I know you used to be an Air Force reservist. And of course, you studied communications in college, become a hypnotist, and now being a content creator, and who knows other projects that's on the horizon for you. I view or I feel like you view life through the container or the lens of experimentations and experience. But why do you have this ability to be not caught up over fear and actually try out the things you said you would, regardless of outcome, and just try out and experiment with what life has to offer? As you said, life is both short and long, depending on how you live it. One of the bigger aspects of that side of being willing to try new things and experiment sort of came down to this realization I had. And I don't even remember when I had this. Like there was no light bulb moment where one day it suddenly hit me. But I've realized through this process and this journey that you are not successful until you are. And that sounds very basic. And yet it's also very insightful. Nobody is ever a success until they are. An author is never an author until they write a book. A singer is never a singer until they sing a song, right? You are not a podcaster until you started putting out podcasts and then you became that. I was not a hypnotist until I started doing hypnosis and I became that. And I think a lot of us look at the people we look up to as these people who are larger than life, right? The celebrity, these movie stars, these pop stars, even these people who have big podcasters, right? Like you might look up to someone like a, like a Joe Rogan or someone with this massive platform and be like, oh, I would love to do that. Oh, but I could never achieve that level of success, right? Joe is just this crazy person who's done these crazy awesome things and has all this, all this success, but that's not the case. Joe was never a podcaster until he started doing podcasts. Tony Robbins was never a speaker until he started speaking and putting himself out there in that way. Any movie star you want to think of was never that until they became that. Someone like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, one of the biggest movie stars on the planet, 
he was a wrestler. He was never an actor at first. And of course, in WWE, there's that. I'm oh, sure there's a little bit of acting in there. And, you know, but he was never a movie star until he started doing movies. Right. And so I think this there's this element that's true in whatever we want to do that we stop ourselves from getting into something because we're not at that level that we will never be at until we actually get into it. If I had sort of let myself become limited by, oh, well, I'm not a hypnotist. I can't do these crazy shows and do all these awesome things that other hypnotists do. And that stopped me from doing it. That's the case for most people. But instead of looking at it from that perspective of, oh, well, I could never do that. I had to look at it from the perspective of, oh, well, what can I do now? Or what can I do today? And I don't have to be at that level yet, but I will never be at that level if I don't allow myself to be at the level I'm at now and learn from that current experience in order to build up to that level that I want to be at someday. Over the course of the pandemic, uh, beginning of 2020, when the world shut down and I couldn't do shows, I couldn't perform, right? Live performing is a huge part of what I do. And I couldn't do that at all. And I was just kind of sitting around in my room, twiddling my thumbs, you know, still doing social media and posting videos. But I was like, oh, I can't go out and perform and do what I love. You know, now what? I had all of this extra time, as I'm sure most of us did when we were out of work or not able to go out and socialize. I decided to pick up another endeavor where I decided to start learning how to sing. And I had never taken so much as a music class. I could not sing to save my life. I always loved doing karaoke, but you know, that's part of the fun of karaoke is you don't care that you're terrible. You just sing your sing your heart out until your your throat bleeds, right? Not actually, but always just love singing even though I couldn't sing at all. But I sort of just went into this endeavor with the same approach that I've had with hypnosis, with magic, with all of these other things that I've learned of, you know what? I am the world's worst singer right now. But if I actually commit to this and I actually practice every day, how good could I get? And so I started this journey of deciding I'm going to sing for an hour a day, every day. I'm just see how far I can I can take this. So I just started doing 30 minutes of vocal warm-ups and exercises, and then 30 minutes of singing along to literally just karaoke tracks on YouTube, just singing along by myself in my room, hoping my neighbors don't hear how terrible I'm screeching, right? And so I just started singing for an hour a day every single day, and I was very, very bad when I started. A few months later, still very, very bad. A few months later, still very, very bad. And after about six months or so, I thought, you know what? I want to start putting out my progress so that people can see my journey of as I'm learning this and doing this. So I started uploading these monthly singing covers, if you can even call them covers, because they were off key and flat and not even singing with the track and not rhythm and not hitting the notes well. And but I was just doing my best. And I've been uploading these singing covers every month for over two years now. I'm at the point where by the end of this month, I will have hit 1000 days of singing for an hour a day every single day, which is wild to think about over two and a half years of doing it. I started taking singing lessons last year, been doing weekly lessons for over a year now, which has been really instrumental and really helpful as well. But now I'm at the point where I can actually sing and I can sing very well. And I certainly have a lot of progress to still make like I wouldn't consider myself a professional singer by any um, by any means yet. But I can sing and it can sound good and I can sing on key and I can actually hit the right notes and I can hit some notes that I never thought I would be able to hit, right? But it was through this journey of being willing to start. And if I had had this mindset going into it of, oh, well, I suck at singing now and I'm terrible. Why should I start trying to sing? I can't do this. That would have limited me to continue to live in that reality of not being able to learn how to sing. But instead of focusing on where I was not 
I focused on where I wanted to be instead. And I set this intention, which has sort of been the theme of a lot of this conversation, right? This intention of, I want to be able to do this someday, but it doesn't matter that I can't do this now. I'm not going to let what I can't do today prevent me from what I could do tomorrow if I am willing to try. And so I started this journey. And again, almost a thousand days later, I have come such a long way. And if you want to hear it for yourself, I have these singing progress videos on my YouTube channel. So you can look them up and you can watch the first couple and see how terrible <laughs> I actually was to how much further I've come now through this process. So it's been a fun ride, but that's just been kind of the theme of these things that I've started up, whether it's the recent thing with singing or whether it's learning hypnosis or whatever it was through the course of my career, I would go into these experiences and these new things that I didn't have experience in or the experience I did have was very lacking or limited. But instead of focusing on what I didn't have or where I wasn't at, I gave myself permission to be bad. I gave myself permission to fail. I gave myself permission to suck. And I said, I'm gonna embrace the suck and we are going to transform that suck into success, right? And so here we are, and it's been a fun ride, but it's been that fun journey and that mindset and that intentionality of doesn't matter where you are today, focus on where you want to be instead of where you are now, because no one is ever successful until they are. Yeah, of course, embrace the suck is a military adage that you and I, because I used to be an <laughs> army reservist as well. I like the play on words between suck ass to success, because that is a nonlinear progression, but it is very possible. Quickly, you say you are the worst singer there is. You're the second <laughs> well, worst because you haven't heard me sing in oh, the shower boy. by myself. So, but yeah, I definitely recommend people to check out his uh, singing progression video. And that's part of the reason I wanted to reach out because the audacity to have 8,000 days, that's actually 2.8 years. So it's a lot more than two years, closer to three year mark, which is insane. And it's just your ability to upload these unedited raw attempts of you singing. And you also don't pick easy songs. You pick pretty difficult songs. And of course, it's your uh, commitment to high quality and the art of progression. For those who are listening, Zach, that because genetic markers are variations, like some of us like veterans or some of us with a higher or heightened genetic marker for willpower, uh, distress tolerance, ability to embrace a suck and excel one, there is a way to mitigate that, the genetic variance factor, which is a creating systems like James Clear for atomic habits, right? If we only solely rely on our eternal willpower, willpower is going to run out. And that fuel may be difficult to sustain us on our tough days. Showing up on our easy days is easy. Showing up consistently on your hard days is hard. That's why it's the most trope statement, but consistent is key. Do you or did you utilize any systems or practical things that you did that allowed you to be this radically consistent for thousand days and an hour of singing every single day for those who are listening. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that helped was honestly having that progression of at first I was just, oh, I'm gonna do this for an hour a day. I'd never set out that I wanna do it for a thousand days or even a year at first, but I was like, I'm just gonna just sing an hour a day for a little bit and see how it goes. And then after a couple months of doing it, I said, oh, well maybe we'll just keep going an hour a day till the end of the year, right, you know, nine months. And after I was at nine months, I said, well, well, why not keep going and see if I can hit a year of singing for an hour a day every single day. And then from that point, oh, maybe 500 days. Oh, now two years. Oh, now two and a half years. Oh, now 
a thousand days. And once you sort of get the ball rolling, you know, you don't want to break the streak. I can't sing for 213 days and then and then fail now. I got to keep going. And there are days where I don't want to sing. There are days where I'm not feeling great. There are days I'm under the weather. There have been days where I have been traveling all day. There have been days where I had to get up at 5 a.m., spent 12 hours traveling to a show. I land in a city across the country. I do a show at seven o'clock. I get back to my hotel at 10 p.m. and I do my singing from 10 to 11. I've been up since 5 a.m., but I still got to do my singing because I got to get it in and I make sure that it happens. So there are days where, of course, I'm exhausted. I've been traveling all day and then just did a show and I don't want to sing. I want to get in bed and crash, right? But through that commitment and not wanting to sort of break that momentum and interrupt that streak, that was sort of the big thing that kept me going after I created that initial momentum. And so it's sort of this idea of gamification, right? A lot of apps do this well, where they'll, you know, let you say, oh, you're, they'll show you the progress of your on this streak, or whether it's you make a little note on your phone, or you take a little picture of yourself, you know, doing something each day, whatever it may be, you create this momentum. And you're like, oh, I can't break that momentum. I don't want to stop now. And so for me, I think that was the biggest thing that kept me going through this time, and especially the days where I didn't want to sing, or I was tired, or I was busy. I couldn't couldn't break that streak in my mind, and I wanted to continue going. But I think ultimately, like you were saying, you know, it's easy to sing on the days where I'm excited and want to sing. It's easy to succeed on your easy days, but it's not as easy to succeed on the hard days or when it's stressful or when I've had a long day. But I think remembering this idea that you know, it's not about motivation, it's about commitment to a goal. It's about that intention. And it's very easy, or rather, it's very hard to motivate and think your way into a new way of acting, but it's a lot easier to act your way into a new way of thinking. If you want to create a new habit, if you want to create a new system, if you want to learn something new and put yourself out there, most people are like, well, I don't have the motivation or, oh, I don't, I, don't, I just don't have that desire to. Newsflash, you're not going to get that desire. It's not just going to show up. Where do you think it's going to come from, right? You know, you're not going to walk down the street and be like, this is your sign. Go do it now, right? But at the end of the day, it's not about trying to think your way into a new way of acting. It's about acting your way into a new way of thinking. It's about being willing to commit to doing something, even when you're tired, even when you don't want to do it, because it becomes a priority. So for me, the first times that I started getting into doing singing or into hypnosis or into any of these things, there was this resistance at first of, oh, do I want to keep doing this? Or, oh, another day? Or I get it for a whole hour? Oh, man, what is this? And But as I started pushing through that resistance, it literally changed the way that I viewed this rather than, oh, okay, I got to do another, another singing or I got to uh, try and approach another stranger for hypnosis. It was, okay, I built this momentum and now I'm excited about doing this. Now when I think of saying, okay, yeah, I get to do my singing. That's always fun. Or, okay, yeah, I get to go do hypnosis and I know it's going to be a fun experience. You shift the way your mind looks at it and you create this natural internal motivation where it no longer becomes this, all right, I'm not motivated. How do I get motivated? It's all right. I know I'm going to act no matter what because I'm committed to doing this. Whether you have this, this, the streak of days in a row or whether it's just that intentionality or whether it is so important to you, you are going to do it no matter what and you're committed to that action, that motivation then follows the action, whereas most people think it's the other way around. So I'll repeat that one more time for the people listening, but it is very hard to think yourself into a new way of acting, but it is much easier to act your way into a new way of thinking. Yeah, that's like the core foundations of how CBT, cognitive behavior therapy work, right? Using psychology as an entry point or physiology as entry points, behaviors or thoughts to change your identity or core beliefs. So I definitely echo that. I want to make that into a messaging board as well, where doing something will create momentum for new doors to open. 
But unless you take that first step, there is no future. And reminds me of a quote that Maya Angelou said, and who knows if she actually said this, since everyone just attributed her quote to her and Bill Gates and a couple other handful of folks. But allegedly, she said, once you let go of who you are, then you can tap into who you could be. And that reminds me of, and what you said, I think rings really true of, once you let go of where you currently are, the lack of progress, air quote, the worst singer there is, even though you're the second worst, I'm the worst. And then through that progressions and iterations, you are where you are today because you are great. And you, all these singing videos are without music. It's just raw. So I think people have to watch our video to see what we're talking about here. But what does impact entertainer mean to you? And because I noticed that's the handle for your email, right? So like, what does that mean? Since I sort of can gauge what it means from the words themselves, but I've never heard anyone use those two words together next to each other. You know, Impact Entertainer came from when I was first starting out, going into my last semester, I was working with my mentor and he was like, hey, you need to get a website because if you're going to be an entertainer, you know, everyone has, has a website that is in the business. And I said, all right, I got a website. He was like, don't use your name. He's like, that's, that's such an ego thing. Like no one's going to look up ZachPinsons.com. No one knows who you are. Like think of something that sort of speaks to your brand or what you want to do or is more aligned with, with your mission. Then I thought, all right, well, I want to entertain and I'm an entertainer doing hypnosis and I was still doing some magic comedy at the time. So I'm an entertainer, but I also like being able to share these deeper messages and make an impact. I was like, oh, well, impact entertainer. And somehow enter impactentertainer.com was not taken and that domain was available. So I thought, all right, I'm buying that. And I still bought ZachPinsons.com, which I'm glad that I did because now that I actually have a name brand around my name, I, I, it's good to have that as well. So right now that URL just directs to the Impact Entertainer website. I haven't updated that website in years, so I really do need to get a new website. So thank you. Thank you for the reminder because that's just been sitting there. I use so I'm so much on social now these days, like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube are my, my websites at this point, but my website does need some updating. But yeah, it was initially from this idea of, all right, well, I want to think of something for my website other than my name. And it was a good sort of amalgamation of these two ideas of making an impact and entertaining others. And all right, I'm the impact entertainer. And it sort of put those together. And that was the birth of, of the website of impactentertainer.com. Gotcha. I guess the reason or intention behind that question is a reminder for you to brush up or refine your <laughs> yeah, website. Right. So yeah, so there's a reason why I asked that. I listened to a Colin and Samir. Uh, they have a podcast by the content creators for the content creators. And I like their authentic approach because as we talked about briefly offline uh, before hopping on the show today, that a lot of stories and contents are too commodifying or too marketing or profit driven versus I like their intake. Uh, I like their take on that. Yeah, Colin and Samir are great. Yeah, yeah they're very great. So I had an opportunity to meet them in person as well. But this is a loaded and vast question. So if it misses, I take full responsibility. Yeah, like what is the expectations of being a content creator, Zach? Because you are living out the dream you never thought you could and you love what you do and you do what you love versus the reality of like content creator economy uh, for those of us that are listening who might be interested and really inspired by your audacity to live out your dreams. At the same time, as you and I know fully, that it is a treacherous road and there's a lot of fuckery within the content creator economy. Yeah, content creation can be, it can be weird, right? <laughs> it can be weird because it, there's so many cool benefits from it, right? You build this following, people know who you are, and you get these views on social media, which is still crazy to me to think about. Like anytime a video gets even thousands of views, let alone millions of views, like I had a 
short on YouTube that hit like 40 million views or something. And I'm like, how 40 million, like that's countries of people that have seen this one video. Like that is this, it's easy to get wrapped up in, oh, it's just about the views and you forget like how big those numbers actually are. But you're thinking about just content creation. Like there's so many cool benefits from it. And yet it can become almost like a job in a way because you need to be consistently putting content up. You know, unfortunately, social media in the content world has sort of shifted away from the reality of followers, and it's more into the graces of the algorithm, right? It doesn't matter how many subscribers I have on YouTube. I have over half a million subscribers on YouTube, and yet when I upload these singing videos that aren't what I usually post, the hypnosis videos, they'll get maybe one or 2,000 views, which is still, again, one or 2,000 people seeing my singing progression is still really cool to me. And yet it's nowhere close to the 600,000 subscribers that I have because social platforms don't care how many followers they have. They care if people are engaging with your content. So every video that you put out, you now you have to sort of think about, all right, well, how am I having a clever title so people will want to click on this video or, or a clever thumbnail so people will be interested in wanting to see what, what this is about or videos on TikTok or Instagram. You know, again, I have four and a half million followers on TikTok, and yet only a few thousand people will see videos on there if it's not what I usually post, even though I have a ton of followers. It doesn't matter. My followers aren't usually going to see the content. It's about getting in good graces with the algorithm. And a lot of times you sort of have to become a slave to the algorithm in a sense of you have to post what people are going to want to see. You have to create stuff that's engaging. You have to post consistently, right? If you're, if I learned this over the pandemic where I took a few months off, posting from social media to kind of give myself a break and then getting back into it, my views were way down because I stopped posting every day and I stopped this consistency and I kind of fell out of the algorithm's favor because I wasn't posting as consistently. Even though I started posting the same stuff again, it wasn't getting the same amount of viewership because I sort of took that time off. And so it does become like this job in a way where you do have to be thinking about oh, performance and optimization and you have to be posting consistently and what are you posting and how much you're posting? And are people going to click? Are they going to engage? Are they going to want to follow or subscribe? So there's all these things that go into it, which can cause a lot of a lot of stress. And it causes a lot of creators to burn out because after doing it for a while, they realize like, man, I'm, ugh, I never, never wanted to do this. I never wanted to just post every single day. I wanted to just do what I loved and have fun with it. And so for me, one of the approaches I take to it is I don't always care about the views as much as I probably should. I don't care about optimization on my channel. I care about optimization of my life, right? Now, if I if I post a singing progress video that I know is going to hurt my channel optimization because it's not hypnosis, it's not what I usually post, it's not as clickable, but I still want to put that out because that's authentic and that's fun for me to do, then I will still post it. I don't care if it's not going to get views. I don't care if it doesn't optimize, but I'll post it because it's fun. You know, and it can hurt sometimes when you post a video and you see you're losing followers. People are unsubscribing, they're unfollowing because they're like, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to see this guy's stuff anymore. But the at the end of the day, you know, there's again, we go back to this idea of quotes. I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I'm not. I never want to be inauthentic. I never want to be fake. I always want to do things that feel right to me, that are fun to me. So my channel on YouTube, you know, it used to be just all hypnosis and it was this hypnosis channel. And now it's just kind of the Zach Pinson's channel. There's hypnosis stuff that's on there. There's philosophy stuff that's on there. There's psychology stuff. There's singing progress videos. There'll be more things in the future that are unrelated to any of those areas because I just want to put what's authentic and what's true to me. So that hurts my chances of getting in the algorithm or of getting subscribers or followers as quickly. But at the end of the day, you know, again, it's not about channel optimization. It's not about social optimization. It's about 
life optimization. I want to do the things that make me happy and leave me fulfilled. And I'm never willing to sacrifice my own mental health for the sake of a viral video, right? Where unfortunately, a lot of other creators sort of fall into that mindset where, you know, they're like, oh, I don't want to do the nine to five. And I want to escape the rat race of that world. And yet they fall into that same rat race of social and just constantly focusing on the algorithm and performance and always just all about the video. And they ended up falling into the thing they wanted to leave in the first place. Just they're serving a different master. They're serving the algorithm instead of a massive stock company or whatever, right? Like, so at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to this idea of social media can be crazy because there's a lot of benefits and a lot of cool things that come to it, come from it. And yet there can be all of this downside and this burnout and this constant need to do better and improve and hit the algorithm and this and that. But at the end of the day, again, I'm more worried about doing what fulfills me and what makes me happy and the things that bring me joy and bring others joy versus getting the perfect viral video every time. To be fair, Zach, when I reached out for you to be on my show, you were at about 550K a month ago. Now you're at 660K. So 100,000 gain over a month by being authentic. That's not a bad approach or strategies, even though it's not really a strategy. You're just living life. It was all from that 140 million video that I posted like a month ago. I was I was literally just stuck at like 570,000 for over a year. And I, I was either losing or I was just like flatlining on YouTube for over a year. and you know, that was that time where, again, I was like, man, I'm not growing or sometimes I'm going down on YouTube, like I'm losing subscribers every day. And yet I still just stayed authentic to it. And now I posted a short video again that got 40 million views in a month, which gave me 100,000 subscribers in a month, which is crazy to think about. Sure, once that video kind of dies down, which it already has, I'll flatline again around 600,000. I might have some videos that do well and go up and stay there or go back down. But at the end of the day, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about what the number is, what the vanity metric is. I'm worried about staying authentic. And it's cool when I do get those followers and when I do have videos that do well and, and bring that success. But at the end of the day, like that's that's not the goal. But I do appreciate the, the compliment and the encouragement there because it is fun to see 100,000 subscribers go up in a month. I sense a lot of the central and the theme of, or the central theme of surrender and just being true to yourself. And I think life creates space for passionate people. I've heard that and every single guest public figures are not on my show in the past three years. Every single one of them have had some sort of a cosmic or divinely affirmative moments that the God or universe says, Zach, you are on the right path. Keep doing what you're doing. And all of us have these not really external validations, but this cosmic validations that kind of fuels us. I think there was a request a few months ago for by the some content creators to create a time off or break feature by YouTube. And, I, and that's funny by itself, right? And that idea is just funny um, for those of us that, that know what we're talking about. Uh, tying back to Colin and Samir, where Hassan Minaj was on the show a couple months ago, I believe. Very, very insightful conversation. And the core theme of their interview was about artistry versus algorithm. And I think you are operating within the spectrums of artistry and life versus the algorithm. And somehow algorithm still graces you once again, because, you know, you're still doing really well by every internal and external metrics. And I never, I never set out to be a content creator necessarily. Like I shared earlier, my YouTube channel was started because I was just trying to create social proof so that I could get paid to do my live shows. And even most of my videos, almost all of my videos are just performed on my iPhone. I'm not using an external mic. I'm not using a fancy camera. They're literally just filmed on my phone. I just have, when I go do a show, I have in my rider that I need someone to volunteer to film for me. So they have one of the, the workers or the student volunteers will just sit in the front and film on my phone for me. 
And then when I post videos, I'm not like doing crazy editing or anything like that. I'm literally just clipping moments from my shows. Here's a fun 30 second clip where someone thought I was Justin Bieber. Here's a fun 60 second clip where people thought I was invisible. Here's a one clip of this or of that or whatever. So most of my videos, even my most viral ones, are just raw, unedited clips of me doing live shows. Because for me, like that's where more of the fun and the passion comes from is just doing live shows and performing live. And that can become content, which is really great and is really awesome. But I've never wanted to like do any crazy editing or do any of these massive video ideas where I'm not thinking, oh, this will be a fun content idea. I want to film this because it will be a good video. I say, oh, I do this because it's fun. And oh, that was fun. That could be a good video after the fact. Right? I'm more focused on live performing. And it's been really cool that that has become what it has because that was never really the goal. Like I never thought of myself as a YouTuber or content creator, but that just was a byproduct of that commitment and that willingness to put myself out there and to grow and do what I can to make this a career. And so it's cool that I am now at that space, but I don't necessarily see myself as a social media or a creator in the same way that a lot of others do, because that is their intention and their mindset is. My focus is the video and is the finished product. Well, for me, my intention is more the live performance. And then if that's filmed and that can become content, great. But the live is still a priority. Yeah, and that's the magical power of intentionality. That when you're being intentional, all these accidental success or accidental happiness, as I call them, they do happen in a very this inarticulable way. Whether that's by God, synchronicity, or whatever language you want to attach to that. So we're definitely, uh, we have about probably 15, 20 minutes left in our show today, Zach. So I want to hit you with the other domains and areas of your life that I would love for you to expand upon. And I think you'd appreciate the next question, even though it's another vast question, which I apologize. There is this fascinations by you, according to what you said in my research, with philosophy and psychology. And of course, I view life as spiritual. Like you feel like the underlying foundations of the pathos, ethos, and the logos is actually spirituality. Uh, which a lot of people don't really know about. And, but of course, that could be up to different interpretations by different schools of thought. But like, do you see any intersections, Zach, between psychology and philosophy in your life or why you love these two seemingly unrelated domains? Because they both show up in what you do as a hypnotist performer and also as some of the philosophical questions you tackle or you try to unpack on your channel uh, pretty frequently. I think it comes down to just this idea of like life optimization, like we were talking about earlier, or the way you phrased it of optimizing your life to have as little regrets as possible at the end of it. I love the way that both psychology and philosophy play a role in that, right? With the side of psychology, it's more, well, how is the brain working and how can you use your mind for your benefit instead of letting your mind take advantage of you, right? You can think about, oh, is your mind giving you a placebo effect where you're having a good positive experience? Or is the nocebo, like you mentioned, happening where all of these negative thoughts are taking control of your mind and you're letting them win? And the psychology of the way your mind is wired is causing you to suffer, right? So, and I like to think about it in terms of, oh, there's the psychology side of, oh, your thoughts and how the brain works and how the mind works. But there's still a lot we don't know about how the brain works or how the mind works. We're still very much in the infancy of neuroscience and understanding this brain that drives our entire life. And I really feel like in the next few decades, we are going to have another really revolutionary discovery about our physiology and psychology and how humanity is wired that will completely change how we view and how we live our lives in the same way that we did when you know, we discovered what germs were, 
right? Over like 150 years ago, we didn't know that. And you would be cutting a raw chicken and not wash your hands and then go help someone give birth. And then they would die while giving birth because you gave them salmonella. And we were, well, it just kind of happened. That's just the, the way it is. But we didn't realize the microbiology. We didn't realize these germs. And there were creatures that were smaller than what we could see that were having these, these effects. And that completely changed the way that we viewed things. And that made us healthier. That made us stronger. That improved the quality of our life. Once we realized the effect that this thing that we weren't aware of was having on us. And I think in the same way with neuroscience and the way that our mind works, we still understand so little about the way our brain works and why it works and how it works. Eventually we will. The science is getting better and better and the studies are getting more and more elaborate that we're going to get there. We will get there. And hopefully it will be in our lifetime where we can, you know, be able to witness this massive discovery. And I feel like a lot of the work I'm doing is contributing at least indirectly towards that, even if I'm not the one to directly make that, I don't need to. But hopefully some of the stuff I'm doing through immersing people in these ideas of hypnosis, psychology, philosophy are helping push towards that. But I think through that perspective of understanding the psychology is still so limited, even thinking about why do we think, where do our thoughts come from? We have no idea where our thoughts come from. And these thoughts are so powerful and they drive our every action and behavior, the ideas of free will going on the philosophical side of, well, why do we even want the things that we want, right? We can think about our own desires, but, oh, let's say, oh, I, I like hypnosis and I want to do that. Cool. But why do I want that? Where did that desire from hypnosis come from? You can point to maybe an experience, but where did the desire to have that earlier experience that gave that new desire come from, right? You can only trace it so far back. So you can think about the, the sides of the psychology of the way the brain works, the mind works, the thoughts, and how that affects us mentally but also some of the philosophy behind it too of, all right, well, even if we can understand some of that science, what does it mean? And are we still succeeding in those right areas to go back to that earlier idea of like, it doesn't matter how fast you're running. If you're running in the wrong direction, you could optimize yourself all day long to do one thing, but if it's not what you're meant to be doing, or if it's not what you actually want to be doing, or if it's not what will fulfill you or make the world or your life a better place, then it's not worth optimizing something that's not going to be best or optimal, right? And so the philosophy to me is just so important because it helps ground me in what is most important. And it's that intersection of the psychology and the science is the optimization side, but the philosophy is making sure I'm optimizing what should be optimized and I'm not running that race in the wrong direction because I'm really grounded in how I want to live my life and what's most important in tackling this big question of what is the meaning of life? What's your purpose? Why are you here? All of these things. And most people run away from them because they don't want to face the fact that they're not going to like the answers if they're honest with themselves. So they just tune out or they numb themselves with alcohol or with drugs or with entertainment or scrolling on social media all day, whatever the vice is to escape from these thoughts or these ideas. But when you're willing to face those important questions heads on or head on of why are you here? What is your meaning? What is your purpose? Don't run from those questions. Sit with it. Embrace it. And when you really let yourself marinate in those thoughts, in that philosophy, then you can start looking at the psychology and the science and the optimization of, all right, I'm not where I want to be. So how do I do that? How can I optimize? How can I take advantage of my brain instead of letting my brain take advantage of me? And you can marry those two concepts of the philosophy and the psychology into optimizing your life in a way that it should be optimized. And a lot of my listeners' personality types are adventurer type. They are the seekers of new experiences, seekers of curiosity. So speaking of the willingness and combining and marrying two different things, I'd love to use this opportunity if you feel comfortable 
for you to maybe demonstrate your ability to not in a full entrenched mode as we talked about before, since some of the listener may be driving or cooking or something. So if you're listening and have you made it this far, a deep gratitude, but please take a quick caution warning that uh, whatever Zach's about to do, this is not rehearsed. I have no idea what he's about to do or whatever that's coming for the next couple of minutes. But just a quick safety cautions that please make sure you're safe. You're not driving actively in this moment um, to maybe derive the benefits and some of the magic we've been talking about through what he's about to demonstrate. But Zach, would you be, would you feel comfortable demonstrating some of the magic that we talked about through words and storytelling in this very tangible, visceral way for the next couple of minutes, uh, whatever directions you want to see fit? You're the captain of the ship now. So what we'll do is I'll just do kind of a quick few minute experience. Um, and I know you mentioned that, you know, I'm I'm kind of the, the driver or the captain of, the, of this experience or it's my ability, but I want people to understand listening that it's not really my ability. Hypnosis is a shared experience or even therapy is a shared experience, as you know, as a therapist, right? It's not just you are using your ability and you're just doing everything to the client, right? They can either choose to accept it or reject it. They can choose to internalize it or they can just let it go in one ear and out the other, right? So as a hypnotist, this isn't an ability that I have over you. Again, this isn't the movie hypnosis. It's not mind control where I'm just snapping my fingers and you'll do whatever I say. That's not the way that it works. So what I'll do over the next few minutes is I will simply just talk and give you some ideas to focus on. And you can either choose to focus on those ideas and become immersed in them, or you can choose not to. And that's totally fine as well, too. And so what I'll do is, again, if you are listening to this while you are driving, I would encourage you to not not do this. Don't close your eyes and listen. Like you can still you can still let yourself hear it. You're not going to go into hypnosis and pass out while you're driving. Right. But if you're doing something where you still need enough attention to focus on that, please focus on that. You can always come back to this point in the podcast later. Right. But what we'll do is we'll do something. It'll take less than five minutes. It'll be really quick. Um, but I'll do two ideas. Uh, one that's more of a fun, interesting way that you can give yourself a new perspective from hypnosis. And one way that will just help leaving your listeners feeling maybe better than they felt going into this through the the idea of this experience. All right. So for anyone that wants to participate in this, try this. All I have you do is simply just close your eyes to focus on this idea. All right. So for anyone that wants to do this, go ahead and close your eyes and really listen to this one idea. I'm going to give you one idea. And all you have to do is focus on that one idea. As you listen to my voice, I want you to let yourself relax but I want you to let yourself relax, specifically your eyelids. I want you to let the muscles in your eyes become so relaxed that they feel extraordinarily heavy. Let those muscles in your eyelids feel heavy, let them feel tired, and allow those eyes to feel so heavy and so tired that they feel stuck. And when you feel you've allowed them to reach that point where your eyes, your eyelids have become so heavy, so tired that they are stuck, Prove to yourself how heavy, how tired, how stuck they are by trying to open your eyes and noticing that you can't. Notice that they've become so stuck. You've allowed them to get to the point where they become so stuck, they won't open. Until I count from one to three, they can open easily one, two, and three. Just like that, now you can allow yourself to open your eyes easily. They come open as they ordinarily would. Now, for, any, for everyone listening to this, Either you felt your eyes get really heavy, they felt stuck, they felt tired, or you didn't, or you just opened them immediately. Hypnosis, again, is about the idea of experiencing what you believe, what you focused on. So for everybody who did this, regardless of the outcome, you experienced one of two things. Your eyes opened or they didn't because you believed one of two things. Either your eyes would open or they wouldn't. 
Now, through that process, I created sort of this moment in 30 seconds where I really honed you in on this idea of stuck, heavy, tired, stuck, heavy, tired, focus on the stuck, heavy, tired. And if you allowed yourself to really hone in on that belief, you experienced it and you noticed your eyes getting stuck and heavy and tired. For some people who tried this, they might have gotten to the point where they say, all right, he's focusing on saying my eyes are going to be stuck, but there's no way my eyes are going to be stuck. They're not actually going to be stuck. This isn't actually going to happen. And so you just opened your eyes and they weren't stuck. Because through that process, you weren't focusing on the direction that I gave of focus on the idea of your eyes being stuck. You instead focused on your own limitation on the own idea that, okay, they wouldn't be stuck. Now, I'm sure people are wondering, well, isn't this you just telling me what to do? Am I just pretending to have my eyes stuck at that point? It's a little further than the idea of pretending. Because when you're pretending, you still know that it is not real. You can, oh, okay, I can shut my eyes and pretend that they are stuck, right? And, okay, oh, they're stuck. But you still know they're not actually stuck. You're just pretending you're going along with the motions. But what would it be like to pretend that you are not pretending? At that point, the pretend is no longer pretend because you're pretending you're not pretending and the pretend actually feels like a real experience. Just like in your mind, when you're dreaming, you are not pretending this thing is happening. It feels real, even though it is not. So through this experience, you either let yourself become immersed in that idea of your eyes becoming stuck, and they were, or they weren't. So if you want to try that again, if it didn't work the first time, if your eyes open, but maybe now your perspective has changed because you realize, hey, I just have to let myself believe it and that I will experience it because hypnosis is experiencing what you believe. You can rewind this and go ahead and try it again and show yourself that it can actually work the second time if you allow yourself to become immersed in this belief. But what I want to do to kind of close out this experience is I want to leave you all with this experience that will leave you feeling better than when you came in. All right. So what I want to do is, again, I'll give you an idea to focus on, and all you got to do is just let yourself focus on that idea. If you're driving, again, please don't focus on this idea and close your eyes. You can still hear it and let, let it sink in, but just don't close your eyes if you're on the highway and get into a crash. We're not responsible for that because this is a disclaimer. Don't do that. All right. So but with that being said, if you want to experience this, go ahead and close your eyes now and just focus on this idea. Focus on this idea of where you want to be. Not where you are now, but where you want to be. In fact, I want you to focus on what you want to feel right now. How do you feel? Do you feel happy? Do you feel confident? Do you feel on top of the world? Are you tired? Are you stressed? Don't focus on where you are now, but focus on what you want to be. Even if you're having a really good day, think about how you could be even better or feeling even happier or even more confident. If you're feeling stressed, think about how you could be way less stressed, feeling good, feeling confident. Think about where you would want to be right now, what you would like to feel that is better than what you are feeling right now. And with your eyes closed, focusing on this idea, I want you to imagine that as I count up from one to 10, that feeling grows inside of you. That feeling becomes bigger. And with each and every number I count up from one to 10, allow the old feeling to drift away, to float away, and allow that feeling that you want to feel to be bigger be stronger, be brighter. I'll use the example of confidence right now in this example, but whatever you want to feel, you can replace the confidence with that. But imagine right now, as I count up from one to 10, starting with the number one, this confidence that you want to feel grows. This feeling, this certainty into that next number, 
Feel it grow, feel it get bigger and bolder and brighter. Three, imagine it flowing through your veins, through your bloodstream into four. Let it get bigger, let it get brighter, let it get bolder into five. Imagine these big, bright lights inside of you that are bubbling this feeling up inside into six. Let this feeling grow, let it become enhanced, let it become even bigger. Seven, let this feeling flow through you. Let it double now into eight. Feel this feeling, feel this good feeling, this confidence, this happiness, this peace. Let it go into nine. Allow yourself to feel amazing. Allow yourself to feel incredible. This feeling is yours. You deserve it. Notice how good this feeling feels. And on that final number, in just a moment, allow yourself to feel the maximum amount of this experience and feeling now. At the final number, 10, give yourself that full permission and belief to feel incredible, to feel amazing, to feel confident, to feel happy, to feel free of stress. Whatever you would like to feel, give yourself the full permission to experience that fully and brightly. And if you haven't already, go ahead and open your eyes and notice how you feel now in this moment. And again, all that happened was I was just giving words, I was giving direction, I was giving an idea of what to focus on. If you were distracted, or if again, you were driving and not focusing on this, as you probably should have, right, then you maybe not, maybe you didn't experience it, which is fine. You experience what you believe. If you gave yourself the permission to really focus on that experience, then you did experience it. If you didn't, if you were distracted, it's fine. But at the end of the day, you will experience what you believe. Through that process of those two little things with your eyes being stuck or this experience, that feeling you wanting to grow did, all I did was I went through a process that helped you to believe that thing more, whether you believed your eyes were stuck or whether you believed the feeling you wanted to feel was actually inside of you and you had it and it was growing. If you allowed yourself to really focus on it and to believe it, then as you showed yourself, you experienced it. If you didn't, then you didn't. And that's okay. Because whatever you believe, you will experience. And so as we're getting towards the end of this podcast and thinking about where you want to go in your life moving forward, I encourage everybody listening to this to really ask yourself, what do you believe? Because at the end of the day, you become who you believe you are. Wow. Yeah, I um, had to fight every urge in my blood and bones to not close my eyes and partake in this exercise because I have a job to do, of course, to close out this amazing episode. But I myself is going to try out these experimentations once the episode becomes ready, once I am on the other side of the table as a listener versus the producer of this show. But yeah, I just want to highlight because there's nothing added to what he said. It's just that you become what you said you are. So it's really important that the things that come out of your mouth, because we are the creators of our experiences and co-creators of each other's experiences. So why not create some positive dispositions around what we say, especially of ourselves? Because I think a lot of times, a lot of us have really this heightened, unrealistic and high expectations of others in an attempt to retain and reel back control. At the same time, if we cannot embrace the good the bad and the ugly of ourselves, how can we possibly expect others, doesn't matter if our families or loved ones, to embrace and accept us for who we are when we don't do that? And that's the way I want to wrap up today's conversations and to really drive that messaging home that you experience what you believe in every sense of that statement beyond the realm of a hypnosis into really your life and optimizing your life in the way you want it to be optimized. Because we are the authors of our experiences as Zach started these conversations, and we are the vanguards of our experiences. 
and you have so much power. And that's how I view my therapy and clinical work. I always tell my clients where when you come into therapy, a lot of people often often feel helpless and powerless. But we ourselves often forget the capacity that we have. And that's empowerment, is believing you have the power to change. Because we all have the capacity to upgrade our life in the way that could be upgraded. But that's just something I really wanted to um, share in your grace. And just, yeah, I love what you represent and the mission that you stand behind. I want to leave people with this thought, this quote, if you will. I want you really just to focus, everyone listening, focus on this idea. This is not hypnosis, but this is just an idea. I want you just to focus on this one idea. Because if you really take this idea to heart, it will truly change your life. This is something that I say at all of my shows. If you've seen my videos, you've seen me say this in many of my videos. But remember this. If you argue for your limitations, you get to keep your limitations. But if you argue for your possibilities, you get to create your possibilities. You have the choice every single day. Choose to focus on what is a limitation or what is a possibility. And whatever you focus on, whatever you believe, you will experience. So the limitations or the possibilities argue for what you want. Because again, you experience what you believe. Mic drop and nothing to be added. Zach, I am so, so grateful for your graciousness to the people who are listening. He literally responded to my email outreach within four hours, I think. I've never had anyone respond that fast, even for my loved ones and my fiance sometimes. It would take her a while to get back to me. But all jokes aside, I really appreciate how intentional you are, the mission statements, and this authentic life you try to uphold on your channel and all the way to today's conversations on my show. But this is my red carpet moment for you, Zach. Where can people connect with you? Where can people check out some of the fascinating pr- projects you're singing progressions. Who knows what's the next monster project you're going to embark on? I'm sure uh, they're all constantly coming. But where can people find you, connect with you, and check out some of the insightfully amazing content you have to offer? Well, the nice thing about having a unique last name, Zach Pinsons, is that social handle was available on all the platforms. So whatever social media you're on, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, I'm just at Zach Pinsons, Z-A-C-H-P-I-N-C-I-N-C-E. You look up Zach P, I'll probably come up at this point because I don't know any other Zach P's that have more following at this point. But anyway, Zach Pinsons on all social media. Uh, the website is still impactentertainer.com. But again, I haven't updated the website in like two years. And maybe this will have been updated by the time this is listened to because I really do need to update my website. But uh, the website's Impact Entertainer, but everything else is just at Zach Pinsons on social. So we'd love to have you around in the, in the comment section of the videos. And hopefully I can provide you some value with the videos that I have, not just for the fun entertainment side, but through the more transformational ideas as well. Um, And I encourage people that if they do want to experience more of the hypnosis, like I did a little bit of a teaser earlier, I have a bunch of videos on my YouTube channel, still Zach Pinson's, where you can get hypnotized through the screen. So there are longer 15, 20 minute hypnosis experiences. Some are for fun, some are for anxiety, for stress, for fears, they're for different things. There are very fun experiences where you get the opportunity just from home to be able to watch a video and get hypnotized. And I've got some really cool stories from people who have been able to experience those. I had an email literally last night of a woman who said she watched my hypnosis through the screen to get over her fear of driving. And she got behind the wheel for the first time in 20 years after watching hypnosis through the screen to get over your fear video. So 
it's really cool that I'm able to have that sort of impact through those videos. And if you want to try those out for yourself, head over to youtube.com slash Zach Pinsence, try out the hypnosis through the screen videos, and hopefully you can get some of that benefit as well. But Zach Pinsence on all socials. Thank you guys for listening to this part of the end. Entertainingly impactful, impact entertainer, right? And of course, to the listeners, I know we have some ballers in our audiences. So if you have any corporate events, you're part of the corporate jobs or your venues, of course, the magic and meats and potatoes of what Zach has to offer and the essence of his expertise in live performance. And of course, as you know, real life interactions is not the same as virtual interactions. So I like to encourage people to book him for your shows, recommend him, share his contact with your corporate sponsors or whatever to really witness the magic in person. And that's how it becomes memories or that's how experience become memories and memories become stories for us to share for many more years to come. Zach, I really appreciate your time today. Seriously, I've been a longtime fan since your collab with Love Live Serve, as I talked about in the email from someone who came from Philadelphia, and for your graciousness to say yes in such a short turnaround time, and for you to be willing to speak with me uh, for this lengthy about your life, some of your mission statements, and what you really believe and uphold in life. But I really appreciate for your time today, and hopefully you took away from this show. And I also apologize for mispronouncing your last name. Uh, in the beginning, I should have done a little bit more research before I even asked you about that. Oh, it's, uh, no worries. It's everyone mispronounces it. It's all good. But I've gotten way worse butchering, so so you're fine. You're fine. But yeah, pin sense like incense with a P. But yeah, I really appreciate for your time today and for you to share what you share with everyone. And I'm sure all of us discover more something and discover more something practical to improve and optimize our lives after listening to this episode with you. Thanks for having me on. And to all the listeners that's listening. I hate to do this as a YouTuber now having a YouTube channel about the podcasting, but if you found any value in today's conversations and from the wide, rich array of insights and experiences that Zach shared, please share this episode on YouTube or on the audio platform of Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you receive your favorite dosage of podcasts. Share this with one friend that tell you to help my show to grow consistently and that allows me to fish out and invite fascinating and amazing people like Zach to continue to improve your life, continue to share and help you discover more something about whatever that may be. With that, I will include all the show notes in the show descriptions below. And as always, I deeply, deeply appreciate for you to show up week after week to tune in until the very end. Because as we all know, none of us walk this path of life alone. And often the best thing we can do for each other is to show you that you are not alone with your experiences, how tough that may be. And all of us are part of this collective entity as we call human or humanity. With that, thank you for listening and hope to see you again at the next week's Train of Discover More. Until next time.